الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاه والسلام على سيدنا المصطفى صلى الله عليه وعلى اله واصحابه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا اما بعد فقد قال الله تبارك وتعالى في القران المجيد والفرقان الحميد بعد اعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وعاشروهن بالمعروف فإن كرهتموهن فعسى أن تكرهوا شيئا ويجعل الله فيه خيرا كثيرا وقال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم أيما امرأة سألت زوجها طلاقا من غير بأس فحرام عليها رائحة الجنة أو كما قال عليه الصلاة والسلام صدق الله صدق الله المولان العظيم وصدق رسوله النبي الحبيب الكريم ونحن على ذلك لمن الشاهدين والشاكرين والحمد لله رب العالمين Respected brothers, honorable elders Today I want to discuss with us to what with us with the congregation the epidemic and the crisis of talaq that our society is facing there is no need to delve into how prevalent this is in society every one of us sitting here knows of someone in their family who is affected with divorce if we ourselves are not affected with divorce This morning at the Jamiat office when I came in the first email that I attended to was about talaq and when I was leaving I left with the draft on talaq also on my computer. I tell you without fail daily we are dealing with matters of talaq to such an extent that sometimes on one day we are dealing with more than 10 matters of talaq. This is the crisis that we are going through in our society. And when we speak about divorce then divorce is not something that just affects two human beings it affects society it affects family and the worst effect it has is on innocent children this is the real crisis of divorce is that innocent children are put in such a position that they have the yoke of disadvantage on them on for the for the rest of their lives the yoke of disadvantage is on their necks every statistic possible whether it has to do with abuse whether it has to do with being raped or becoming a rapist or whether it has to do with going to jail in every statistic you think of a child that is brought up in a broken home is at a disadvantage in america a child that is in a fatherless home is three times more likely by the age of 30 to be imprisoned i'll give you another interesting statistic that shows how islam tries to circumvent and damage control the statistic of a child going to prison in their life a child that is in a fully functional two parent home the past, the risk for that child is the same risk as a child who is brought up by a single father listen to what i'm saying We have a single mother home and we have a single father home. 
a child that is brought up in a married home is as protected from going to jail in the same way that a child who is in a divorced home but is under the care of the father that child is in the same risk situation and what does Islam teach us when it comes to a situation where a divorce happens it teaches us that the child if it's a boy till the age of seven that child that boy will be with the mother and if it is a girl then till the age of nine or till the age of puberty that girl will be with the mother and thereafter that girl will go to the father so what statistics are telling us now Islam told us that this is the best damage control for your children in the case of divorce but the, this is just by the way we don't want the situation where any child has to be brought up in a divorced home that is why the Nabi of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam has spoken so harshly harshly against divorce in one narration it is mentioned ayyumam ra'atin sa'alat zawjaha talaqan min ghayri ba's here the Nabi of Allah is addressing this from the angle of the wife who does not have the power to institute a divorce Allah's Nabi is addressing this angle and Allah's Nabi says sallallahu alayhi wasallam that any woman who asks for a divorce sa'alat zawjaha talaqa who asks and requests her husband to divorce her with the important condition min ghayri ba'sin without a valid and legitimate excuse what does the nabi of allah say about this woman fa haramun alayha ra'ihatul jannah even the fragrance of jannah is haram for her what was her crime did she issue the divorce her crime was to request for the divorce without a valid reason if this is her sin what is the sin of the husband who has issued that talaq without a valid reason what is his sin and what is his culpability in the court of Allah the matter of talaq is so serious how many cases do we not find at the jamiyat i said talaq but i didn't mean it i said that i was only joking i had no intention about it the nabi of allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam says talaq is so serious jidduhunna jiddun wa hazluhunna jiddun whether you are serious about it or whether you are joking about it it is still counted and it is still valid it is not something that you play around with i don't know how husbands have the courage to issue those words so simply you should have a tremor in your body you should shake and vibrate before that word comes out of your mouth but it's so casually given as though it means absolutely nothing when our fuqaha give the ruling about talaq 
then they do not say that talaq is a permitted act. They say that it is its ruling in Islam is al-hazr al-man, that it is a prohibited act. It is a prohibited act, you need a reason to justify it and to make it permissible. It is not by default a permissible act. It is by default an impermissible act. And the worst way a person and the worst form of talaq is where the husband gives three talaqs at one go. He issues three talaqs at one go and then he's making every excuse under the sun for issuing those three talaqs. In the time of the Nabi of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the news reached the Nabi of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Ukhbira Rasulillah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, an rajulin talaqa imra'atahu thalatha tatliqatin jami'a. The news reached the Nabi of Allah that a man has issued his wife three talaqs at one go. Faqam ghadban. The Nabi of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam's anger and fury was to such an extent he could not contain himself sitting he stood up Ayyalabu bi kitabillah wa ana bayna adhurikum Are you people taking the book of Allah the deen of Allah as a mockery as a joke while I am still living with you I have not left this world and you already are playing with the book of Allah. What is meant by playing with the book of Allah when Allah speaks about talaq? He says, وَلَا آيَاتِ اللَّهِ هزوة. Do not play with the verses of Allah. Do not play with the book of Allah. So intense was the Nabi of Allah Wasallam's anger that one sahabi stood up and he said, أَلَا أَقْتُلُهُ يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ should I not go and kill this man, O Nabi of Allah? In the time of Umar radiallahu anhu, in his khilafah, if he was informed that a man gave three talaqs, he would have that man summoned, arrested, and he would flog him and whoop him publicly. This is how serious this matter is. We need to realize what this matter is and what are its consequences. But I want to say a few things about what can we do to save ourselves and save our communities from this crisis. The first thing that every one of us knows logically and common sense is that any edifice, any building, any construction is only as strong as its foundation. We all know this. The surprising thing is that when we all know this, why are there so few parents who prepared the foundation of marriage in the lives of their children? Why are there so few? I don't understand this. Perhaps there is this false assumption that we are living with from our days gone by.
that we have the false assumption that our marriages by default will be successful. That by default, without not doing anything, our marriage will be successful. Perhaps we saw the marriages of our grandparents, our great-grandparents, and we saw how through thick and thin they just managed to stay together. And we have that same assumption that this will be true for our marriages today. We have to remove this assumption. There is a new assumption we need to bring in. And that assumption is that my child's marriage is at great risk of failure by default. It is not nice to say this, but whether we like it or not, this is our reality. Because if we will have this assumption in our minds, then we know we will have to prepare for that eventuality. When a person goes, he is undertaking a business venture, and it is a risky business adventure, how much investigation and research will he not do? How many people will he not consult? Is your business more important than the lives of your children and your grandchildren? Is it more important? Today we have situations, unfortunately, that parents not, they are not only contributing to the success of the marriage of their children, there are some parents that are actively sabotaging that mari those marriages. They are actively and intentionally sabotaging those marriages. It's unbelievable, I tell you. You have mothers, they call, that, they call it the Oedipal Syndrome. When the mother cannot release her child. So the mother goes through the marriage, you know, processes. And then she realizes that I cannot bear to be without my son. She is jealous of her son's wife in the same way that a second wife is jealous of the other wife. The mother who is supposed to be wishing all goodness and happiness and joy and prosperity for the marriage of my child, of my son, is now sabotaging that because she is jealous of the daughter-in-law. The father, on the other hand, he has a sometimes, sometimes, not in every case, please let me make that clear, we are not speaking about everyone, but in some cases, he has that, that this is daddy's princess. This girl is daddy's princess. He has spoiled her his whole life. His whole life he's given her everything. He's refused her nothing. So the effect is she has no idea what it means to be a wife. And when the situation arises, that she is faced with responsibility that now she has to cook in the house, she has to maintain the house, she has to manage that house, it becomes overwhelming and daddy says, my door is open, come back anytime. Instead of working to build that, but he already has it, no, 
my daughter must not see any difficulty in her whole life. We are sabotaging our future generations. This is what we are doing. We are sabotaging our future generations. We are sowing the seeds of their destruction. So my brothers and elders, we know, we hear this hadith so often, an-nikahu min sunnati. Every marriage khutbah we hear this, an-nikahu min sunnati. And it is indeed that marriage is the sunnah of the Nabi of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and the one who turns away from the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa cannot be of this ummah. We know this importance, but when the fuqaha grade the statuses of marriages according to each person's circumstances and the factors in their lives, then there are five different gradings. Marriage in, sun, in general is a sunnah. From the fiqhi aspect, there are five different gradings of where marriage will fall whether it is mustahab, whether it is compulsory, whether it is makruh, whether it is permissible, and sometimes whether a marriage is even haram to take place. Understand what I'm saying? Nikah in general is a sunnah, but sometimes there may be circumstances that would render that marriage impermissible and haram. And when is the marriage impermissible and haram? Is when you get someone married under false pretenses. The boy has a drug addiction or the girl has a drug addiction. You don't know as parents how to deal with the matter. So you say let's get them married. Perhaps their spouse will deal with the situation. What are you doing? Your son or your daughter is in love with someone else. They are in a relationship with someone else. You are not happy with that. So what do you do? You force them into marriage with someone they are not happy to be married with. And that person on the other hand has come with a clean intention and a clean heart of making a home. We had one situation this newlywed bride comes to us after many months of a marriage. And she is complaining. And she is saying, I got married in good faith. Everything was fine. The family told us nothing about the boy. That they didn't give us any indication that anything was wrong. So where everything goes as planned, we have the wedding. It is the first night and my husband does not touch me. The second night, the third night, one week, two weeks, one month, two months, three months, I am going through anguish and a breakdown that what is wrong with me that my husband does not want to touch me. What is wrong with me until finally she takes the courage to raise this matter and what is found out? The boy is gay and homosexual. This is what we are dealing with. This marriage is haram. 
How can you place that burden upon an innocent person? Our time is already up. There is much more things to say. You know, they say when they speak about the secret of a marriage, a successful marriage, then many people say it remains a secret. No, it doesn't remain a secret. The secret to a successful marriage, you see, love is an easy thing. That's why they say falling in love. Why you fall? It's nothing if you slip on something and you fall, what's that? It's not through your own volition. Sometimes a person sees someone automatically falls in love. It's an action of the heart the person didn't have control over. But a successful marriage is something you have control over. And how do you have control over it? It is when husband and wife want to make a life together. When they decide maturely that we will compromise, we will sacrifice and we will strive to make that marriage a success. When this is the attitude between husband and wife, that both say we will do what is necessary to make this marriage a success, then come hell or high water, that marriage will not break and that marriage will be a success. May Allah Ta'ala give us all tawfiq wa akhiru da'wana. Alhamdulillah.